Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Um, today we're talking uh, in a series, Authentic Relationships, and probably in our experience uh, in the church for all the years that we've been doing this kind of a thing, staying very much in you know, secular jobs of different kinds, um, we, we see one of the most places that we, we need authentic relationship the most is actually in the family. Um, there's a lot of families that attend church, and what they bring on Sunday is like the Pinterest, Instagram kind of photo shot of family life, but then what's really going on in family life, you know, they would never post because they would fear that nobody would like it or nobody would retweet it. I don't do any of these things, so I really don't know what I'm talking about at this point. Do you know what I'm talking about? Ish. Ish. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's not new <laughs> for us either. But uh, one thing, I, I just want to say this as we begin today. Would you just realize that whenever you're looking at Facebook or whenever you're looking online at what other people are doing, you're looking at the very best of what they do. Just, just know that, okay? When you come to church, even our church, for the most part, when you come here, you know, people are generally on their best behavior, uh, more or less, you know, more or less on their best behavior. I'm never on my best behavior here. I'm mostly just fooling around. But... Uh, we really want to see authentic relationship, uh, not just in terms of, of what other people see, but, but what would happen if you really had authentic relationship in your own home, with your own family, with your own children that drive you crazy sometimes, God bless their little hearts, um, and, and what could it look like? So there's actually a lot in the Bible about family. A lot. A lot about raising kids. There's a lot about uh, how to be married, how to do family well, how to do life well. And what we're seeing in our generation right now is there are very, very few people who know how to do family well. Yeah. Uh, Have you heard it said before, like, oh, I wish they gave you a manual when you went home with your little baby? You know, nobody gives you a manual, but God actually did. He gave us the Bible, and no matter where you come from, no matter what you're journey is, you can learn his heart for you and his heart for family. And so you might be here today, you don't, you're not married, you don't have kids. Um, That's okay. There's so much in the picture of family that God has for us that we can all learn something from. Yeah, the fact is that every one of us are sons and daughters, right? We're we're sons and daughters. We're we're of God. Uh, We're brothers and sisters in the family of God. Uh, Some of us are, are parents, well, most of us are actually parents. Most of us will be parenting at some level, some kind, some way. Even my little kids, like my daughter Annika, she loves to parent. <laughs> her she, siblings. She's grossly unqualified <laughs> at this point of her life, but she loves to parent. And your kids are the same probably. You'll have one or two that love to be the child, and then you'll have one or two, you know, usually the oldest girl, just saying, wants to be in hey. charge, I mean, be the parent. <laughs> Of everything. And we have four kids, two boys and two girls. And so the girls are eight and nine and the boys 13 and 14. We've been preaching this same message since before we had kids. It's just now people might look at us, listen a little more because our kids are turning out okay. Well, we hope. (laughs) So far, so good. There's three stages uh, in the life of every human being and not many of you would maybe know this necessarily, but there are in fact three biblical stages of development. 
And uh, it's not something we hear a lot of people talk about, but nonetheless, it's in there. And there's childhood and adolescence and adulthood. Those are basically the three stages of development we see uh, in the Bible. But what's important for today, what we're going to be talking about today, is there's also three themes that surround each one of those uh, stages of life. And so we have, we have childhood to birth. Is, or sorry, childhood to birth. Yeah, that's early, Just early development. We sorry, we have childhood is birth to about twelve years old. Everyone say birth to twelve. Birth to twelve. Birth to twelve. Now that's the training phase. Everyone say training phase. Training. Okay, and then we have adolescence, which is thirteen to nineteen. Say thirteen to nineteen. Thirteen. Now everybody to say teaching phase. Teaching. Phase. Okay, so we've got training. We've got teaching. Now adulthood is twenty and beyond. And everyone say 20 and beyond. 20 and beyond. 20 and beyond. And that stage or phase is called trusting. Everyone say trusting. Trusting. So we have training, teaching, and trusting. Now these are three things that we actually do. God actually speaks to us about how to parent well. Yeah. You know, and um, not, that, not that Amy and I are, are so like in God's word about parenting all the time, uh, largely by our own uh, circumstances, mishaps, trips, falls, failures, some successes, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, have we realized we more or less have been somewhat aligned with uh, what the Bible says about raising kids. And it's, it's something that if, if we want to have a great church, a healthy church that really can impact our community, really can impact the lives of people who are maybe just checking generations out today, it, it's this. If we can help people understand how stable families are made and kept. Now, some of us come from unstable families. And you might be sitting here right now, this is a weird Sunday for me to show up at church. But you'll probably begin to identify with what didn't work. And I want us to know something today. What didn't work is something to pay a lot of attention to. True. <laughs> Apparently, my wife is the only person who really understands this and agrees with that. But let me just say that again. Paying attention to what didn't work is a very important thing to do. Because if you don't pay attention to what didn't work, I hate to tell you this, but rarely will you find out what will work. I think we always talk about this, but we have this imaginary little black book in our mind where we write things down imaginatively. I'll never do it that way. You know, you see something, I'm going to learn from that. Yeah. So you might have that in your own upbringing where you're going, I'd like to do that differently. Yes. So let's just uh, look in the Bible real quick. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to put it up on the big screen. If you have a device or your actual paper Bible and you can read it in this light, you might want to try to flip to it. Uh, but Ephesians 6, 1 to 4 says this, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bust this out, and it's going to be really good. Uh, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And all the parents said, Amen. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long in the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So there's these three phases in here, and I'm just going to show them to you really quick. Children, obey your parents. Obviously, that is the children phase, the, the childhood, the training phase. Children, obey your parents. When we are training children, we tell them what to do, right? And a lot of the time, as we've talked about before, we're actually telling them what not to do. Baby Tyson, do not put that fork into that outlet in the wall. Right? That's a lot of what the training phase is. When we are training children, we reward them with treats, right? Who's used potty training methods that involve the giving of treats? 
No, I can't see. Oh, there's one or two. There's some, a few hands have gone. Okay. Did some of you guys just, what, did you just beat your kids or lock them outside or put those puppy training mats down that some of you have for your We dogs? had a child that screamed every time she woke up for two and a half years, every single every time. Every single time. And so finally one day I just said, that's it. I give up. She gets a candy every time she wakes up happy. Every time. Candy. It took a week yeah. of training. And she was Wake fixed. up happy. And, and no more screaming. No more screaming. And, but we, I want you to understand this because here's what's happening in our world right now. The world is trying to eliminate these differences in the stages of development. And some of you might be adults today that don't have training in some of the things as, 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 as being a child. And, and, and it's not working for you. And it's because, you know, it'd be like if you're a 35-year-old man that hasn't been potty trained, it's going to be awkward to go out on a date. And all the single 35-year-old men said, duh, that's exactly what's, it's hard. It's not working very well, right? But, but, but we can get stuck because we eliminate or maybe sometimes mom and dad fail to help us move through these stages with the right information. And we end up being 40 years old and not be able to pick up our socks and driving our wife crazy. Because at some point, maybe I should have been trained better in the art of picking up my socks, Right? That, that will, th- these things will help. But, but what happens is if we eliminate the roles in life, male-female roles, for example, if we eliminate the roles or the places and times of appropriate development in the lives of children, what we're going to end up with is a society that is even more upside down than it is right now. So let me tell you something. If you want your children to look like rock stars in the future, you should train them. Yeah. Train them. Start by training, then we're going to move on to teaching and trusting. But children, obey your parents. That's obviously the training part. And then it says, it says um, honor your father and mother. And I know that directly it doesn't point to this is the teenage or the adolescent phase, but it is because little children don't have a hard time honoring mom and dad, do they? You give them a treat or you give them a loony or back in my day a nickel was good enough. But you, you, you reward them just a little bit, and honor is very easy to come by as a parent. It's when they turn into teenagers that honor becomes difficult to flow, as it were. We see problems in the teenage, the adolescent years of giving honor, because it's a different stage of life. And then we move on to uh, trusting uh, father, or father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. When we have done our job as fathers and mothers, we release our children to do what they need to do. And we're going we're gonna to round that out as best we can today with the time we have. But um, I, I want to just share really quickly from Proverbs 23, verse 13, because we need to hear this right now in this day and age. Don't be afraid to correct your young ones. A spanking won't kill them. <laughs> a good spanking, in fact, might save them from something worse than death. There's a verse in the Bible that actually says, you know, we, everybody probably knows, spare the rod, spoil the child. That's not exactly right. That's not exactly what it says. But, but here's something I think we should commit to memory. He who spares his rod hates his son. Now, I'm not saying that you should spank every kid, because we had one of our four children who was totally unresponsive to spanking. I'm just, just so you know, it's not the answer to everything, but there's a right way to, uh, to bring discipline. And right now in Canada, uh, it is still legal to be able to corporally educate your child's behind. 
There are guidelines. They must be older than two years old, and they must be younger than 13 years old. You actually are not allowed to use an object. That, that actually is in those guidelines. And there is a move right now to make it totally illegal in Canada to spank your kids. But we're not there yet, just so you know. Some of us feel like, oh my gosh, it's illegal. And You know what? I just, I just say, for a kid who's been spanked right, like I was spanked right. I'll tell you what. I'll just take this moment. My daddy knew how to spank me. Um, and he never did in anger, he never shamed us, he never did anything like that, but he made us wait. He was a psychological terrorist. <laughs> so my dad, you know, mom was a little, she's a little more feminine, a little more emotional, so she'd get you know, a little more elevated, and they're down on a holiday right now, and hopefully they won't listen to this podcast. But um, mom was the elevated one, maybe even get a little too loud, you know. Um, but dad was like, um, he was like the Terminator. He would come home and, you know, what's the problem? Okay, go to my room. That was his, those were the words of death for us as children. My brothers will all testify to this. Go to my room, because we knew what that meant. And he had a waterbed, which was of no comfort to us. Some kids today would be like, waterbed, so cool. We're like, waterbed equals discipline. Um, and um, dad, dad would sit down and watch the Cosbys and drink a glass of milk. And he would wait a good half hour. What were we doing? Well, we were in there sweating what was to come. We knew that doom was about to find us. And so most of the time, by the time he got in there, we were so psychologically fragile in waiting for the punishment to come, we didn't even need the correction anymore, you know? And there was one or two times in my life where he came in, stand up. We stood up, sit down. We'd sit down. What's wrong with your ears? Nothing. Why can't you listen to your mother? We will listen to our mother. Go apologize to your mother. And it was like twice we got off the hook that way. But that was it. There is a right way to deal with training children. And there are a lot of wrong ways. And obedience in that phase is so important. And there almost is a small window. You know, from two to five, if we discipline well, we don't have to discipline as frequently as they grow up. But my heart uh, in, in raising our kids is that they would learn to obey. They needed to learn to submit their will. Yeah. I wasn't going to be carrying a 13-year-old around telling them, you know, have you seen the size of my 13 and 14-year-olds? Like, I can't make them do what I want them to, but because they've learned obedience in their younger years, uh, that carries through. And if we don't teach them to submit to their parents and to authority, they'll never learn to bend their will to God. If they, if they aren't modeled how to bend their will to their parents, how will they know how to bend their will to the Lord? That's exactly right. Um, why do we train our kids to do specific things? Well, we already brought it up. It'd be awkward. Potty training? Why do we potty train? It's worth it to potty train, is it not? Very. I mean, who loves changing poopy diapers everywhere and anywhere? I, I used to just throw up. That's how I got out. For you young dads, <laughs> what you do is you come home from the hospital. The first tar poop, that's not such a big deal. But once they get onto food, you know what happens, right? <laughs> so what I would do is I'd go in there. I'd be like, whoop! I'd start heaving, and then I was gone. And my wife felt so bad for me, she didn't make me change those kinds of diapers. I was on to you. I'm just that nice. You're just that nice. I, <laughs> I won't disagree with that. But we train our kids. Why? Because if we don't, there will be serious consequences in the future. Now, I laugh when there's parents this, in this day and age who say things like, I will never yell at my children. So listen, if you don't train your children, you will yell at your children when they run into traffic. Won't you? No, Johnny, no. Nobody does that. Man, your kid's going to get hit by a truck. You scream your head off, right? This is the problem with parents who don't understand the value of tone and volume is if you scream all the time, yeah. Johnny will still run in front of that truck. 
He's just like, oh, mom's screaming again. That means nothing to me, right? So we need to understand there's so much intentionality. Now, you might be sitting here right now, no kids, no family, and all that, and you're going, what does this have to do with me? Take notes. You will be here one day. You might be a grandparent. Take notes. You're going to have to help somebody negotiate the difficulties of life. So we got training in the years of 0 to 12. Here's a couple of very quick things that you need to understand. The first is you need to be clear in your communication. Now, Amy is always on me about this, and so I just wrote a little song in my head. It goes like this. More than no is what you need to say to make it clear. Communicate your expectations. You with me? Then you spank them because you love them so more than no. Right? So it's unfair of us to discipline or to correct anyone if we haven't communicated expectation clearly. Right? Johnny, you need to poop on the potty. Right? How, how can the, I don't know, we're all like, duh. There are parents who are struggling and scratching their heads as to why it's not working for them when it's something as simple as they haven't communicated clearly. You want to do that one? There you go. You want me to? Okay. I'm doing so good. Okay. Uh, This is one that drives me nuts. Be convincing. Now, I love this woman. (laughs) But I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many times in disciplining, especially our sarcastic teenage boys, where, or disciplining, but just correcting any amount of behavior with our children, where I'm really intense and serious, right? Like, I am like the silverback gorilla. And I've got the grouchy brows, and I'm <laughs> pounding the ground with my fists, making sure that I am clearly the dominant male in the jungle. And I look over, and I see my two sons start to smirk. Well, you know what that does? Firecrackers, right? I'm like, okay, now it's on. Like Donkey Kong, boy. And so I look over, but what's Amy doing? Amy is doing this. She's having fits and contortions and some kind of a seizure with a smirk on her face. But listen, if we're not, (laughs) you're turning red? If, If we're not convincing in what we're trying to tell them, we are actually destroying our children. You need to be convincing in your reasoning. And you know what that also means? It means that you need to be convinced yourself. Too many parents right now are telling their kids things that they are not convinced of themselves. If you want to be a great parent, you better get a handle on truth, you better put the truth deep in your heart, and you better live by that conviction because it's your conviction that will convince, same root words here, your convictions is what will convince your children that what you're saying is right. If you're smirking all the time while you're trying to bring a serious lesson to someone, they will never take the lesson seriously. If you don't have the intentionality and the discipline in your life to give them what they need in a convincing way, you're actually harming them in the future, not saving them. All right, the last one, training in the ages of 0 to 12, is be compassionate. Be compassionate. I'll just, let me just say this. Whether we're talking about grounding, spanking, taking something away as a parent, no one has the right to discipline in anger. No one has that right. And more importantly... You absolutely never have the right to shame a child. There's enough shame that comes on us in this life from the things we do and figure out all on our own, even little kids. And so God does not shame us when he disciplines us. 
He absolutely does not shame us when he disciplines. Shame comes on us because of wrong actions. There's a natural order to the consequence, and shame is a part of that. So you don't need to. I don't need to add shame. And this goes from all through life. You don't need to shame a coworker. You don't need to shame your spouse. You don't need to shame a, someone older than you. There's already enough shame. You need to remember to have compassion. You can't discipline in anger. You need to be like Randy Hansen and watch Cosby's and drink some milk before you come in to do what you got to do. You got to come in from a place of love, being calm, being rational, right? Because otherwise our, our kids are not going to get the sincerity with which we're coming to them when we need to bring discipline. A lot of the baggage that some um, of us, some people carry as they go on into adulthood is shame from childhood. And even the words that are spoken, you know, we grew up in a generation where parents use that all the time, shame on you. And we can break that in the way we discipline and the words we say. And the Lord can bring healing to some of those areas where maybe a person was not disciplined um, in, that, in that way that brings restoration. That training phase is where we get to tell the children what to do. It, it's not up to them. That's a, a, a great opportunity for us to say, you're going here. This is what's happening at this point. I think of Mara when she started learning how to ski. She was a little rocket, not because she was good at it. She just didn't want to try. So she got on the hill and went straight down. And it was becoming uh, extremely frustrating to me. And Travis was so good at, at training her. He put a harness on her because she just would not use her own muscles, but that harness told her where she was allowed to go with him. And, uh, and that's that. Let's move on to, to the stage of teaching in life, the ages of about 13 to 19 years old. Adolescence is the process of transitioning from childhood to adulthood. That's what adolescence is about. Physically, in your body as an adolescent, there's all kinds of horrible things happening. Your brain literally is becoming detached from your brain stem, and your synapses are all being rewired. That's why a 12 or 13 or 14 or 16 or 17 or 15-year-old boy can stare at one place in the wall for 20 minutes and never even twitch or blink. Just the whole world is gone. They, 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 they are in a total change of life. Obviously, young women in their adolescence are going through major critical changes in their life. And we need to remember that the stage of adolescence is a stage of transition. So you should never be shocked that things are never in the same place, right? I'm here every, every few days with my boys. My godly wife is reminding me, you need to do the steps again. You need to train them. You need to teach them. You can't just trust them to do these things. You need to say it again, say it again, say it again. Why? It's because they're not in the same place I left them, not even five minutes ago, right? Mentally, five minutes ago, we were right here. Boys, look me in the eye. Do you understand what I say? You need to feed the chickens. Yes, Dad. Sons, are you going to understand? I'm going to be very frustrated with you if you don't feed the chickens today. Yes, Father, we understand that. Five minutes later, I come back, and they're no longer mentally in the same spot. <laughs> they are in a different place altogether. Son, did you feed the chickens? Dad, I thought you talked about feeding the pigs. <laughs> like, that's the kind of stuff you go through. And those of you who have sons in this age understand exactly what some of us as men are still stuck part of us in that area of life. Um, <laughs> And that's okay, because what you're going to find today is that all of us in different areas of our life are actually still stuck in some of these areas. There's parts of me that are still like a, like a child, and, and the Bible actually speaks to that. It says, for when I was a child, I thought like a child, but now that I have grown, there are areas of our heart that God has not yet 
got to work over and bring maturity and health and restoration to, where maybe we behave like children, or maybe you're stuck in an adolescent phase in some part of your life. And there's hope for us, because God actually gets how this all works. Um, go ahead. So we, we tell a child how to think, and we teach a teenager in that, that phase how, how to think. To think. Uh, and it's different. And the way you, you get to that is by asking, asking questions. I know we had a teenager living with us at one point that was 16 years old. We just had the wisdom to start by questioning. How many hours of sleep do you need a night? Oh, I need at least 10. How long does it take you to fall asleep? Oh, like at least an hour takes me to fall asleep. Okay, what time do you have to get up in the morning to go to work and do your thing? Well, I've got to, I got to get up at 7. I need time. Okay, so you need to be in bed at... 10 o'clock, what time should your curfew be? Like, what time do you want to be home? Oh, that changes midnight. things. Yeah. Wait a second, you just told us that you needed 10 hours of sleep. Yeah, so between the mid hours of midnight and 7, um, last time I checked, that's only 7 hours of sleep. Right? And, but it's by, now, I was going to ask, um, I know Tyler Sutherland, he's our, he's our youth leader, they're, they're great people, and I know that Tyler would answer this question uh, this way. If I said, you know, like, do you tell junior high students or do you get them to learn by asking? And I know for a fact that Tyler asks a lot of questions in his classroom with that age group of kids. And I also know Melina is a wonderful teacher we have in our church as well. And she's, you're teaching elementary right now, right, Melina? Yeah, so she's in elementary. I bet you you do a lot more telling in elementary, right? It's all telling. The education system does kind of understand this still, or at least great teachers understand this. In the stages of elementary, it's tell, tell, tell. But by the time they get into grades 7, 8, and 9, we've got a wise man of God who teaches actually at this school, but even better, is in this church as one of our youth leaders, yeah. pastoring young people in this church, who knows the secret to making great teenagers is asking great questions. doesn't get any better than that. So we ask questions like, so tell me, what's, how do you decide who's going to be your friend? What's your process? Um, I remember my dad had this conversation with me, junior high school. I was starting to become interested in the ladies. They were starting to become interested in me, and that was wonderful. And my dad, cover your ears, kids, some of you, but my dad, in front of my whole family, we're driving up the Wabbity Hill towards our house, and my dad says, so son, tell me, what are you looking for in a girlfriend? Like, I'm in the eighth grade. I have no idea. But my dad was a wise man. He's like, so, are you looking for boobs? <laughs> now, if an eight, as an eighth grader, I pretty much died right there. <laughs> right? My father, with the wisdom of the ages and the Lord, put to death every part of me that wanted to, you know, figure things out for myself. By asking one question, he undid, he, uh, he undid everything that could have me bound up. Right, listen, understand this. I know it's funny, but understand the wisdom of a father right there. He asked me the awkward question, which forced me to deal with the awkward issue. Because was I interested in boobs in the eighth grade? Probably. I don't really remember, but <laughs> I think I probably was. And, you know, it's not like I said, oh, I'm interested in eyes, Dad. I'm, I'm an eye. You know, he just totally disarmed me with one question. And you need to remember when we're dealing with people in the adolescent stage, Telling them is going to offend them, and it actually, it actually creates division, and it creates a, a response that you're not going to want to see. Stop treating me like a child. And then we always say what? Well, stop acting like a child. Yeah. That's not the way to do it. No, we need to learn to transition. Uh, it, it can break relationship if you continue to tell, to tell, to tell. And that was my experience as a teenager. Just it's the way it is because I said so. 
We need to learn to ask questions and allow them to become a part of processing so they can make wise choices. And questions always need an answer, don't they? True. Questions always have to have an answer. And the process of teaching, so we have training, the process of teaching, taking us to the place of trusting is what? There's all this testing in there. And some, some people this day and age, I don't understand in our community why we're so afraid to test children. I mean, academically, of course we should, but nobody would really be okay with not testing kids before they get behind the wheel of a car, so right? Without implicating any of our children, one of them that can drive, we were at... <laughs> that doesn't implicate Jake at all. No, not at all. He has his learner's license, but he's still in training. And he knows all the rules. He passed the test. We're sitting at an intersection, and the light is red. We're, we're in a turning lane, and he starts to go. We had been stopped for, you know, 10 seconds. Other traffic's moving. He just starts to go. He still needs me in that front seat because he's under training. And sometimes we trust our kids a little too much and we can run into trouble. They still need us in that phase to help guide them. Now, let me just say something very strong and very pointed to you right now. For those of you parents who parent via iPads and iPhones and Androids, Ouch. are you trusting your kids or are you teaching your kids? So good. I'm going to tell you something. If you think you can trust a 14-year-old boy to be on the internet no supervision, you will have a 14-year-old boy who is addicted to pornography within a month. Yeah. Let me just, I, I love you, but let me say this. Wake up. I, I can't believe what I'm seeing in people's families right now. The most devastating thing that can happen to any young man is to become sexually addicted to fantasy. And we have a world full. We have 99.9% .9 of men in this world are subjected and or addicted to pornography. And women are closing in at 80-some percent, just so you know. Right. A 14-year-old child should not be trusted to make decisions concerning their future at that level. Hear me on this. Hear yeah. God's heart for our kids. Pornography is one of the issues. Another thing that we see and hear about a lot is just the cell phone in the, in the room. Um, you know, maybe it's not what they're looking at, but it's what's coming in. A lot of the uh, teenagers are dealing with the weight of their suicidal friends, the messages they're carrying. They're carrying in the hours where you don't even know what's happening. You might see behavior or grades uh, slipping or changing, but a lot, of, a lot of students have been given trust in this area because maybe, maybe parents, I don't know why. I don't know. We do. We make it's, mistakes. It's because we make mistakes, but it's because we're not aware that God's Word actually speaks to this for us. Yeah. 14-year-old, the adolescent stage is not the stage of trusting. It's the stage of teaching. That doesn't mean that teenagers can't build trust with us. Of course, the whole thing is about them building up and transitioning to come to the place of adulthood where we have no choice but to trust them. But why on earth would we cause them to fail before they ever have a chance to succeed? by letting him get tied up with this stuff. I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, but I believe even more from the bottom of God's heart, this is an issue that the church should be walking in victory in for every person sitting in a chair. We should know better than to let our children have the position of trust with something that is so much more powerful than they are. We don't let our kids have devices in their rooms ever, ever. 
No devices in their rooms. Some of you come to us with parenting problems, and uh, please don't think, oh, he's just going he's using this moment in the service to call me out. I'm, I'd have to call out 50% of the people in this church if I did that. Listen, you should not be letting your child have the access. To, I don't care if you have covenant eyes. I don't care what protections you think you have. Your kid is smarter than you on that device. And I trust my kids, just so you know. I trust my boys. I trust my daughters. I trust them with so many things where they have proven mm -hmm. trustworthy. And it's not because I have distrust for them. It's because I'm aware of the stage they're in. And because of the stage they're in, I don't assume trust. Yeah. Are, you, are you hearing me? Are you with me on this? You, you got to get with me. You got to hear our heart for this because this is not a slap on the wrist for anybody. It's not us trying to come down or make you make you feel sh ashamed. Or that's not what this is about. This is about saving the lives of our young people, yeah. keeping them from harm, training them up in the way that they should go. We major on minors and we forget all about the things we should major on sometimes in society today. <sighs> Glad I got that off my chest. It's good. <laughs> Okay. To this verse. Uh, yeah. Moving on. Go. You want to go back? To, we're running out of time, so. That's why. Are we moving on to trusting? Let's move on to trusting. Okay. So, trusting, twenty and on. Um, in the Bible, it actually talks. Do you want to go there? Yeah. Here, well, yeah. Let me just say it. Back in the first verse that we were talking about, Ephesians chapter six, and it talks about. Um, Children, obey your parents, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And we always say, so that you'll live a long life. You know that part? But there's the other part, so that it may be well with you. And how many of us want a life where things are going well? How many of us want that for our children? Yeah. That's, that's an important part of understanding the phases and entering into that trusting phase. I want life to go well for my kids. I do. Because who wants long days in the earth if it sucks? Right? Just say it. Like, you want to just live long, or do you want to live long and have things go well? Yeah, that's important. Um, so we've talked to you about how there is, there is this biblical pattern we see, and, and for adulthood or, or accountability, there is, there, actually, there is actually a hard line. Okay, there's a hard line in Scripture where that happens, and it's actually at the age of 20. In the book of Exodus, chapter 30, verse 14, everyone who is numbered from 20 years old and over shall give the contribution to the Lord. And what it's talking about here is the temple tax. So at the age 20, they were required to pay a tax. This isn't the tithe. This isn't giving offerings. This is a specific temple tax. You are your own man. You got to give. You're responsible. You're a part of this culture, this society now. Um, the other place that it speaks, there's actually uh, at least three places where it speaks this, even more, but Numbers 1, verse 3. From 20 years old and upward, whoever is able to go to war in Israel, uh, you and Aaron shall number them in the armies. So 20 years old was the age where men could go to fight in battle. Below that, they, they had not crossed the threshold into adulthood. And then in Numbers 14, uh, uh, 29, uh, everyone, when, when Israel was going to transition into the promised land under Joshua, God said, everybody 20 and older is cut off from the land for sinning. 
So there was an age of accountability for sin that we see established there. The people who are under the age of 20, God did not, God did not hold them responsible for the way the nation went in their heart, turning away from him and again and again and again. So that's why we say trusting. Biblically, we see it as 20 years old and up is the point where we trust. Now, this doesn't mean for any young people sitting in this church that you're any less valuable in the church. Um, this is setting up the standard for what we allow to come against us or come onto us in terms of our capacity and our ability. Um, I tell you what, when you're under the age of 20, you're protected. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna throw you into situations and expect you to stand on your own two feet. You're gonna have a whole different level of support. The, the, the Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, "Let no one look down on you because you're young." We're not saying that 20 years old is the age that you get to do stuff. Good grief, in this, in this church, if you're five years old and want to greet people at the door, you're allowed. The only reason we don't let five-year-olds make, make coffee is because we're worried they're going to spill it on somebody. But, I mean, there's places for everyone to serve, from the youngest to the oldest in our church, and we love it. We're on a generational pipeline. There's no, there's no holding back, but there are phases and stages to life. Um. One of the hardest things we experience is actually coming to the place of trust. And this is a great divide, a great problem in many areas, in many churches, in many families. We have parents who believe that they are in authority over the lives of their children for all time because the Bible says, honor your father and mother. And they use verses like, uh, you know, a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. And so they set these standards like, you're under my authority until you're married. But that's not what the Bible actually says. The Bible says a man shall leave his mother and father and become united with his wife. So he's already a man. The Bible's already saying he's already a man. He's not becoming a man just because he gets married. We got some single guys in this church, and I feel sometimes because you're, you know, you're, you're creeping along in years, you start to feel like you're like 21 or 22. You start to feel like, you know, you're not growing up, and you, you're not a man in the church, and there's a few of you who don't even come to our manference, and I wonder if it's because, well, I'm not, I'm not married. I don't, I'm not going to relate. Well, listen, being married is not what makes you a man. And by the way, if you think that being married is going to make you a man, your wife is going to be very disappointed. Because you need to be a man before you get married. And you need to be a man of God who loves Jesus with all your heart before you get married. Then it will go well with you. And your wife will love you more. And it will be so much fun. It will be great. Most of it. Except for the hard parts. Yeah, it's worth it. All right. So, so, so we, need to under, we need to understand some of these things. The, the, these are not markers that hold people back. They're markers to help us understand how God wants to speak to us, how God wants us to be active in one another's lives. It creates healthy boundaries and healthy transitions for us when we're dealing with people. Our society has failure to launch as well. You know, kids going to university, living at home, mom and dad paying for everything. We need to learn when to help them launch. And um, that's not to say we shouldn't help them pay for things, but there's a time where we need to not be babying anymore. Well, when they reach 20 years old, just, just biblically looking at this pattern. Now, remember, this is principle we see in patterns in Scripture. Okay? It's not like we try to be legalistic about these things. It's we see a healthy pattern, we see a healthy principle, so we live our lives according to the principles of God's Word. And when your child turns 20, I, I want to tell you this, they're no longer your child. They're your son or your daughter, but now they are an adult. And 
the, the phrase adult children is weird, right? Adult children. They're, they're your children. We understand that. They're your sons and daughters, but they're actually not children anymore. Now they're adults. So what would that make them? If you raise them in the church, if you raise them, they have a relationship with Jesus, that would simply make them your brother or sister in Christ. I remember coming of age, not when I got married, but coming to that place in life where I realized that now I'm a brother and sister, I'm a brother and sister, I'm a brother in Christ to my mom and dad. And just so you know, being the senior pastor of this church, having my my mom and dad attend here, it'd be really awkward if, you know, I thought I was under their authority in that way still. It'd be weird. But I have a healthy understanding that I am their son, but I'm also their pastor. You want weird, try that on for size. Some of, you, some, of you think, some of you think you have some weird conversations. I tell you what, I've had some weird conversations. And my parents are wonderful people who love Jesus. I think they modeled that well for you when even we went to plant the church and start the church and we had to tell our parents. That was actually difficult because we thought, oh no, what are they going to think? They had different dreams for us. And, yeah. and they were both parents were so wise in, in not giving their advice, because if they gave their advice, they'd say, don't do that. You know, what they just said was, okay, we're going to trust that you've heard from the Lord on this, and if you've heard from the Lord, it will go well. If and, not, we're right there with you. And, and, that, and that's, the, that's the role of a parent. When our kids become adults, that's our role, is to trust, to trust, trust that they've heard from God. In Judges 14, this, this literally happened. Samson is going to find himself a lady friend, and he's doing it amongst the Philistines, and his parents weren't exactly, you know, maybe supportive of this. It says in Judges 14:4, however, his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, for the Lord was seeking an occasion against the Philistines, because the Philistines at that time were ruling over Israel. Moms and dads who can't let go of their kids when they become adults, and I've seen this over 20 years in ministry in the church, they're actually messing with the plans of God sometimes. They don't understand that 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 child has always been from God. They don't understand that. They forget that. This is my child. No, God gave you that child. God gave you. Children are a heritage, a blessing from the Lord, the Bible says. Okay, and I don't. I don't own my children. Some of us need to say those words. I don't own my children. My children were given to me by God, and my job is to train them up in the way that they should go, to teach them the statutes, the principles, the facts about who God is and how much He loves them, and then to release them back into whatever He's going to have them do in their life. And I think that my kids are going to do way cooler things than I ever got to do because I'm giving them back to the one who made them and knows them the very best. I'm just a steward, right? I'm a steward first. Um, we could, man, we could fix so many things if we could get, if we could just get some of this into the context that God lays it out in the church. And I've said this a couple times in a couple ways through the message today, and we're, and we're just wrapping up right now here. Um, but different ones of us get stuck in different ages and places in this. And it's not as simple and legal as and cut and dried as, well, I'm over 20, so I guess that means here. Listen, if you, if you grew up in a place where nobody trained you in some things, then, then you're not trained. And that's okay. We can, we can go back and get some of those things, right? 
you know, well, I'm a, I, 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 had, I had a bad time growing up and my dad didn't teach me very well. So I don't know how to be a man. And I'm afraid that if I get married, I'm afraid if I have kids, I'm going to do these things because nobody taught me. Well, I want you to know that there are men in this house who can teach you how to be a man. And there are women, godly women in this house who can teach you how to be a great woman. I think that's a, a big part of what God wants to drop in our hearts today is he can change, he can change your, your DNA. He can change your, your roots, where you came from. I'm standing here today. My grandparents were not nice people. My grandpa was an alcoholic that took mom out of bed and whipped her at night with cords. Her siblings are alcoholics. I stand here today by the grace of God because she found Jesus. And you, you can be the son and the daughter of God adopted into his family. Yeah. You can have change and you can, he will change the trajectory of your life. He will bring those things into alignment so that your life can go well and your children, your sons and daughters can live a long life that it will be well with them. Maybe some of us this morning actually just need to go back. And I know last Sunday we had a, a really wonderful time of ministry uh, where Pastors Mitch and Bonnie called some folks out who you know had some father wounds. And and you know you may be you may be packing a lot of baggage. We all do. We all pack baggage from things that happened to us. Um, as wonderful as my folks were, they weren't perfect, and they did wrong. They 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 messed up my thinking a time or two. And you know, I look at my kids and I see things that I don't do right. And, and I respond the wrong way. And, I, and I, it's not that I want to. It's not that I want to be the guy who was not understanding. It isn't what it's not. I thought I want those things. But the fact is, because I'm imperfect, my impression on them bears those imperfections. And I have to trust that God is working and using the people in our lives, using the people around me, and that his relationship that he's building with my children is going to be enough, more than enough for them to develop in the way that God wants them to become the people that God is calling them and raising them up to be. It's a serious thing, and I joke with you often to say, you never know, you need to raise your kids well because they could be my daughter or son-in-law one day. So true. And we all chuckle, right? Everybody always seems to chuckle when we say that, but isn't it true? Yeah. Isn't it true? Don't, don't, don't you think that I care how your kids turn out? Not for selfish reasons. Not because they could be my, my daughter or son-in-law. I care because I carry the weight of your frustration on my shoulders because God put you in our hearts. And so it breaks our hearts to see you go through difficult times. It breaks our hearts to see frustration and struggle. But it also lifts our hearts with you when we see people get it and when we see people turn this stuff over to Jesus and watch a miracle happen. Not one of us is perfect. Remember what we said at the beginning of this? So many of us are comparing our reality with the, the very best snapshot of someone else's life. And you just need to understand with some maturity this morning, it's really not about anybody else's life. It's about you. It's about your relationship with God. It's about what you can do in this moment today. Whether you have kids, don't have I don't care if you've been divorced and married. I don't care if you're gay or if you're straight. It doesn't matter. What we all need to do is come to the place where we bend our will to Jesus. 
And once we bend our will to Jesus, it's like he begins to realign us with the way that we were intended to be all along. You will never know who you are until Jesus is helping you understand who you are. That's a fact. So as we close today, invite the worship team to come back up. But I want you to ask a question first. Just like every Sunday, every one of us needs to ask this question. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with what I've just heard? Would you just ask that question in your heart, just between you and God right now? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with what I've just heard? Now, would you let me pray for you? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here in your power and in your person to heal our hearts, to change how we think, and to help us understand who you've made us to be. Lord, I pray for each person that in their heart knows right now they need to respond to what you're saying. God, I pray that you'd give them the courage to step forward this morning. Lord, that you would bind up and utterly defeat a spirit of fear that would try to convince people, no, not me, I'm just going to duck out, I'm going to stay hidden right now. Lord, would you just show each heart that there is freedom when we call on your name and that you answer our prayer when we reach out to you. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.